talk today. Uh, for those of you that haven't met me, my name is Tommy Braswell. I come from the Augusta area, and my family is not with me today. Uh, my daughters dance, and one is doing dance competitions in Greensboro, North Carolina today. She's finishing up, and my other daughter, Isabel, that, that you have met uh, is with her grandmother down in Dublin. They will be with us next week uh, for you guys to meet them if you have not met them yet. I tried to start off some days with a joke, and I am not good at telling jokes. As a matter of fact, I told one not too long ago that bombed. So I'm going to see if you guys can get it. If Christ was here with us today on earth, what kind of car would he drive? And the response, well, wait a minute, what did y'all say? A Chrysler, that's right. Y'all got it. That, that's pretty good. Well, it bombed with me the last time, and they, nobody got it, and I told the line, they still scratched their heads. So the next Sunday, I came back and said, okay, that one bombed, but how about this? Did you know that a Honda is actually mentioned in the Bible? And it is. It's in the book of Acts. It says that they all came in one accord. All right, see, I like y'all already. You get my jokes. You're wonderful people. Thank you. All right. So happy Father's Day to everyone. And in honor of our fathers, I want to say thank you for all the work that you do and for the fathers that have already gone home. Let's remember them for their sacrifices that they made for us. When I think about Father's Day, I think about my Heavenly Father and what He means to me and what He gives to us. So I'd like to read for you 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and then verse 13 a reflection of our Heavenly Father, and a reflection of who we are to be to our children. That love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy and it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres because love never fails. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of, greatest of these is love. So, Father, that's who we are called to be. So let us be an example to our children so that we, they can say that we loved as our Father loved us. So I labor sermon who I am because I think that might be the question that a lot of you are asking which is who am I I'm no one important I'm just some guy that grew up on a dirt road and there's not a whole lot to tell I've got stories to tell and I love to tell stories I think that's what I do best sometimes and when I grew up I grew up listening to country music and and I love the country music because they always told stories about life and I grew up listening to the hymns much like the ones that we just sang. Because when we research those hymns, we find that there are stories behind those songs as well. And those stories tell others about who we are as a people. How we identify and how we live our lives. There was a entertainer many 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 years ago that made a a big name for himself and died early in life 
and left behind a three-year-old son. And his mother couldn't let go of the, the grief of the death, and, and I think, to be honest with you, couldn't let go of the, the lifestyle of being on the road and, and entertaining. So she took her son at, at the age eight and, and started dressing him up much like his father and, and put him on stage to sing his father's music. All of his life, he identified with his father, but never really identified with himself. Just like we can say, we know who we are. He was having great difficulty doing that. He had been given the opportunity to break away and become his own person. And he put forth the step to do that. But within his heart, he was still conflicted about who he was. So on August 8th, 1975, this young man climbed on top of Ajax Mountain in Montana with one of his friends and lost his footing and fell 500 feet until he came to a stop. He said that the only thing that kept him alive was the presence of his father and the presence of Christ Jesus, encouraging him to do the one thing to keep him alive, and that was to stay awake. Today's passage of Scripture will be coming from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I have a tradition that before I start my sermon, I have a little prayer that I have to do. And, I, and when I say this prayer afterwards, I, I do everything I can to stay hopeful and honest to this prayer. So, so if you would uh, give me that opportunity and join me as we pray one more time. Father God, we come before you again with thankfulness in our hearts for this opportunity that you've given us to gather in your house and to hear your word. And Father, I ask that on this day that you would silence within me any hope or desire to speak any word that would be of myself. Send your spirit to fill me. And let every word that proceeds from my mouth be a word that proceeds from the throne so that we may edify your church and inspire your children. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to be a little bit different than most people that you probably think of as far as the preachers because I get excited sometimes and I tend to walk from side to side. You may or may not be accustomed to that. I have tried to stand still and speak and it does not work. I just can't get it through. I have to move around and look at the folks over here and look at the folks over there and see the, uh, the uh, smiles on their face because I know everybody is always smiling. It's Sunday. It's great to be in God's house. The reason I chose this passage of Scripture today is because it says a lot about who we are as a people and, and who we are as individuals. When God spoke to Jeremiah, he wasn't just speaking truth to Jeremiah, but, but truth to everyone who would follow him. 
See, God said that Jeremiah would be a prophet to the nations, not just the nation. See, during the time of his prophecies, he prophesied in Judah. But to make it nations, what is understood is that the word of God that came through the prophet Jeremiah was alive then and it is alive today. That that word goes out into the world to, to touch and impact the lives of everyone that hears. That we may not know it when we hear it, but the word of God always goes out and accomplishes the task that it is set to accomplish. The word of the Lord came to me, meaning Jeremiah, Jeremiah saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Doesn't that just, just really say a lot to us? That we as, as a people, we weren't a mistake and we weren't created just because, but we were created for a purpose and a reason. And that before we were even formed, God already knew us. See, I believe in a sovereign God, a God that is all-knowing of everything past, present, and future. And I believe that that God is in control of the world in which we live. And I think that today, that when God speaks to, to Jeremiah and says, I knew you before you were formed in the womb, that, that he speaks to us as a people and says the same thing. And that we are all created for a purpose. And I think that that purpose is found throughout Scripture, which time and time again it points us to one place, and that is the worship of our Heavenly Father to call upon him before any other. You see, I think that many times in life we have two different aspects in which we view life. I think sometimes we, we see life as this living in the promised land where, where things are good, we've accomplished our goals and our missions, and, and we're doing everything that God wants us to do and enjoying the life that God gave us. But then sometimes we, we transition out of that as life changes and we move into the wilderness. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today is being who we are as a people, as individuals and a community, as we walk through the wilderness. See, the thing to know about the wilderness is, is that God leads you into the wilderness. You cannot run out of it. God will, will stop everything that, that goes on around you because it is his divine will that you be there. But when we think about the world, we think about the things that, that we no longer can have, the comforts of home. When we go into the wilderness, if we think about going camping, we cannot take our television set with us. Well, maybe today you can with all the technology, but, but I'm pretty sure that if we go far enough into the woods that, that we will not be able to use our television. And we will not be able to, to use our, our showers and, and other things that bring comfort and bring ease to life. 
You see, in the wilderness, it's where we are put to the test. It's where we are asked, who are we as a people? What do we stand on? And what do we believe? And most importantly, in whom do we believe? You see, Israel was brought out of Egypt on the way to the promised land. And remember this, when there is a wilderness, there is a promised land on the other side. We are always moving to that promised land. We are not stuck in the wilderness. The wilderness is not punishment. The wilderness is not a place that says you've done something wrong. In my mind, the wilderness is a place that says you have done everything right. You have lived the life that God put before you, and it is just a plain fact that that chapter of your life has come to an end. And instead of ending your life, God has looked forward into the future, and he has seen a new promise for you, a new hope on the other side of the Jordan. But to get there, you have to go through the wilderness. And in that wilderness, God prepares us for the future that we have. Whether we're talking about the individual person or the community of believers that gather in God's house every Sunday for for all those that are out in our community that cannot gather but choose to worship God in their home, whether because of health or other issues. They all serve a purpose. When Moses led Israel out of Egypt, they saw the mighty works of God from the very beginning. You see, they they could have taken the easy way around to leave the area, but God knew that, that if they went the easy way, or the shortest way, that they would reach a point where someone would stand in their way, where someone would say, I'm not going to let you pass, and that they would lose heart in the vision of their future and turn around and go back to where it is that they came from. So instead of sending them the short route, God sent them the long route and also the route that would seem to be impossible to pass. You see, soon after they they were let free, Pharaoh changed his mind and decided he wanted Israel to come back and continue to be slaves. And he and his army began chasing them, and they chased them all the way to the Red Sea. And it was there that Israel saw the powerful act of God. When they looked to the obstacle in front of them, the mighty mass of water that stood between them, despair and hope. And instead of looking at that problem and saying that my God has a way through this issue, they stop and say, why have you brought us here to die? But even in their doubt, our God still proved to be a kind and loving and merciful father. He spoke to Moses. And Moses went forward with his staff, and he raised the staff, and the waters parted to their left and to the right, and all of Israel crossed into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And then as the last person of that mighty nation, crossed into safety. Those waters 
on Pharaoh's army. What a magnificent thing to see. But you know, it wasn't long after that that Israel forgot who it was that saved them. You see, Moses went high onto the mountain to meet with the Father. And scriptures say that he was gone for 40 days. And within those 40 days, Israel, much like we do in our own lives, after seeing the mighty hand of God work in our life, we tend to forget. And, and when a circumstance presents itself, instead of saying that I have a mighty God to cling to, we start saying, oh no, what are we going to do? So when Moses was on that mountain, Israel began questioning, where is this man that, that led us out of Egypt? Where is he gone? We don't even know what happened to him. And instead of clinging to the hope of the Father, they turned to Aaron, Moses' brother, and said, make for us a God that will lead us the rest of the way. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Aaron gave in to the, to the cries of the general public, and he said, well, this is what I want you to do. Go collect all the gold. Take the gold from your wife's earrings, from your men, and from your children, and you bring all that gold to me. And after they brought that gold, he melted it down and fashioned for themselves a golden calf. And would you believe that Israel Instead of looking to a God that, that has brought them through miracle after miracle throughout their history, instead of crying out to God, they cried out to something tangible that they could touch and hold. You see, when we talk about identity as a Christian, it's not about who we are in the workplace. It's not about the title that we hold or the title we don't hold. It's not about the degree that, that we have or have not attained. But first and foremost, that we worship and depend solely on our living God. And I think that's what Moses was trying to convey to Israel. You see, saw what was happening at the base of the mountain. And as he looked down, he spoke to Moses. And he said, your people are rebelling against me. And God became so angry that he said he was going to destroy them and start over again. But Moses cried out on behalf of the people and said, give them one more chance. The mediator between man and God. 
when we walk through the wilderness, we cannot look to any other God. And the things that sometimes come into our lives as gods are sometimes not the things that we recognize as gods. When we walk through the wilderness, we see what somebody else has. And instead of enjoying the time in the moment that God has given, we get fixated on what someone else has that we don't. And that thing or that idea becomes our God. And I say that because of this. When we give our time to something or someone, that time is spent, meaning we cannot get it back. But when we give our time to God, He prepares us for the future that He has for us. The wilderness is a place of discipline. And the word discipline comes with, with such negative connotations sometimes that, that I wish we could go back in history and rewrite some of it so that we really truly understand what discipline is. Because see, Scripture tells us that God disciplines those that He loves. And it doesn't mean He's punishing those He loves. It means this. I'm changing the way you think about something. That's what discipline is. When you go to school to, to learn a, a, a career, they teach you to think a certain way about whatever that course is. When you go into the military, they give you discipline. In other words, they, they teach you to live a certain way according to their standard. And God teaches us how to think, how to be, how to love one another, and how to praise Him because of His love for us and the plans that He has for us down the road. The young man I was telling you about earlier that fell off that mountainside. This is how his story ended. The rescue, once they were on scene, took six hours. Seven hours of surgery afterwards just to keep him alive. Two years of continued surgery after that. But it was in that time, and no, I am not saying that God caused that accident. But I do believe that God works in all things for the good of those who love him. And I think that, that when he fell off that mountain and he was faced with the reality of how life is to be lived, that he can't live his life continually trying to, to please everyone else. 
but to be true to the one who called him for the purpose that he had. Two years uh, of surgery recovering, and then the doctor told him that, that he would never perform again, that the likelihood of him performing would, would be slim to none. But you see, that first step of faith that he took before the fall was that he released an album that went against the grain. It was his first time of being who he is. And whether he was loved or rejected, it did not matter. Because you have to be true to who you are and the calling that God has put on your life. And I think sometimes that much like that musician that took that fall, that we get so wrapped up in competing with everyone else out there that we lose sight on what God is doing right here. Don't let them take God's experience away from you. Know in whom you believe and know that that God walks with you and talks with you and provides for you and prepares you for a future that you have yet to see. That musician went on to be one of the most I won't say prolific, but one of the most popular musicians in country music today. He had to decide for himself who I am. Am I going to be the person of my father, my earthly father? Am I going to be the person my mother want me to be? Am I going to be the person that, that the congregation of people that followed want to be? Or am I going to be who God called me to be? You see, for me, I answered that question many years ago. Regardless of circumstances, I'm going to be the person that God called me to be, which means I'm going to praise him in the good times and I'm going to praise him in the storm. And I know that when a problem presents itself, that there's an answer for it. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may be 10 years down the road. But God always makes provision. And when he walks his children through the wilderness, step one, know who I am by leaning on the Father like it says on the slide up there. God did not call us to abandon us. And he did not guide us in a direction to leave us hopeless. He is there to deliver you. So as I close today, you may not know much about who I am, but let me ask you, as we begin this journey. Who are you?
are you ready to go on this wonderful ride and this wonderful journey through the wilderness as God prepares us for the future that he has planned for us? Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and thank you again for the opportunity that you've given us here today. And Father, I just ask that you be with us each and every one as we look into ourselves, Father God, because we know that, that you have always provided for us in the past and, and that as we look to the future that you'll provide for us then. Help us, Father God, to, to know and to come to understand who we are as a person and as a people as we learn to lean and depend on you. Because you are, Father God, our great protector, our great provider. And we are the creation that you loved. And you proved that love to us that while we were still sinners, you sent your son to die on the cross that we may have eternal life. So as we leave today, Father God, let us go with hope and inspiration knowing that you're working in our hearts and our minds to to cause us to seek you in all things and no other God around. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. So our closing hymn will be Just As I Am. And at this time, if anyone would like to use the altar, I'll open up the invitation to come down. If you've never given your life to Christ, there's no time like today. Or if you just need to make a rededication, the altar is open. Or if there's just a burden that you need to lay down, bring forth that burden. Put it at the base of the cross. Rise and walk with authority, knowing that God has it all taken care of.